Hello, and welcome to the Self Sufficient Hub podcast. I'm Carl from selfsufficienthub.com, and I'm here to talk about all things self sufficiency. Sustainability and food security matters. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 126 of the Self-Sufficient Hub podcast. I do hope you're all safe and well. We are getting deep into the holiday season now. Decorations are going up here at home and it turned my attention towards our Christmas dinner. Now, our Christmas dinner is a huge part of our Christmas, especially for me. The process of cooking the meal and sourcing the ingredients and just delivering it to loved ones is an integral part of my Christmas. Now, we have obviously the same problems and difficulties with arranging our Christmas as everyone else. Obviously, we're we're married, so we have my friends and family and my wife's friends and family, and everybody has different traditions. And when we first got together, we've been married 16 years now, we had to come up with a way of pleasing everyone because obviously Jackie, my wife's parents, liked doing Christmas dinner and they would do Christmas dinner and all of their family would go and visit their household and have Christmas dinner. So we started doing a Christmas dinner on Christmas Eve. So on Christmas Eve, I make a full Christmas dinner with all the trimmings and we all wear party hats and pool crackers and all that kind of thing. And I entertain my closest friends and family with my family and they come to our house and then afterwards we open presents so we my children are blessed they have two Christmas days and we thoroughly look forward to it now obviously this year is a little bit different because with Covid and the pandemic we're all facing a slightly different world that we're living in and we're all making decisions based around that now some of our listeners down under in the Antipodes are obviously in a much better position than the rest of us with almost zero cases or zero cases in their region. So I'm not sure what sort of restrictions you'll be under, hopefully none. And you'll be able to plough ahead as normal with your Christmas plans. But for us, it's a scaled back version this year, but that will not diminish my enthusiasm for making the meal. Now, our Christmas dinner always has, as the centrepiece, turkey. Now, turkey's not something I have ever produced myself. We have always purchased our Christmas turkey, but next year we are going to be changing that. Next year we're going to be raising some turkeys. We're going to raise a few. Not sure how many. We haven't decided yet whether we're going to go into a full-on breeding program to actually breed our own turkeys from there on out or not yet. These are all things that we're looking into. But as I'm looking into it, and at this time of year, I imagine it is at the front of a lot of our minds, I thought it would be a good idea to talk about home raising your own turkeys. Now, of course, this is too late for this Christmas, but it is well-placed while we're all thinking about it to maybe start planning for next year. Now, it is a vast topic, just like any other animal. They have their own requirements and are slightly different to even animals that you might think are similar, like chickens. And they are similar in a lot of ways insofar as their care requirements, but there's also a lot of differences. So I'm going to call this part one, if you like, of our turkey series. And uh, it's going to 
take shape over the next week or two certainly before Christmas we'll have it wrapped up and we're going to go into all sorts and there's sort of two real ways of raising animals I think you're either going to be buying young animals and effectively feeding them up and then slaughtering them or you're going to have a breeding program and you're going to breed your own and particularly with turkeys this is quite a stark difference so what I'm going to do today and it's certainly where we're going to start next year we're going to buy some young turkeys some poults they're called in the spring and we're going to raise them up and by the time we purchase them we'll have made the decision whether we're just going to purchase a few that are all going to be basically for Christmas turkeys so we can give some as gifts Christmas gifts to other households or whether we're going to keep a breeding pair or two and breed our own for subsequent years and there's quite a lot of decisions to be made before we make that decision and what I'm trying to sort of get to really I'm trying to give this as a background to say that over the coming episode or episodes that will follow this one with regards to turkeys we're going to be talking about different types of breeds we're going to be talking about breeding them and we're going to be talking about butchering and things like that but for now the purpose of this episode is just to talk about raising young turkeys into adults and you know the process which can be repeated year on year of buying young turkeys for a small outlay and raising them up for have this magnificent bird for your table at the end of it and that's kind of like route one if you like it's how we started raising our pigs before recently we started a breeding program and it's certainly how we're going to start regardless because we're always going to start with those young turkeys that we're then going to raise up and then whether we decide to keep some for breeding or not that's a decision that we can make later but for now the decision has been made that turkeys we shall be having you can now support the show directly just go to patreon.com forward slash self-sufficient hub you can become a patron and set up to donate to the show from any amount. Pledging as little as $3 a month makes a huge difference. If that's not your thing, you can also support the show by sharing it with people you know or posting about it on social media. We really appreciate all the help that you give us. It's people like you that make this show possible. So I've done quite a lot of reading around on this subject before being prepared to produce this podcast for you and I feel that I've got a really good background now and I'm going to be starting to share that with you now. So of all the different animals and projects and things that us homesteaders take on it seems like turkeys are probably right down the bottom of the list for a lot of people. I'm not sure why that is because personally I love turkey meat. I love it not only at Christmas but all year round and Obviously, growing your own has got all the same advantages as growing your own anything has. You know, you are in control of the inputs that go into that resource. And you're also, and this is just as important for me when it comes to animals, is that you're in control of the animal's welfare. So it means that your desire to eat meat, should you be a carnivore like I am, your desire to eat meat is not inflicting harm on the animal which obviously when you're purchasing meat from a supermarket you can't really be quite so sure that that is the case but the reason why they're such 
a low priority, I think, for a lot of people after doing a little bit of research is just because they seem to be incredibly stupid. And particularly the the, the breeding process and the, the young, there is such a high mortality rate, which seems to be caused in no small part by that stupidity. Now, the parents can damage the chicks. The, the mum can just walk on them and kill them because they're giant birds, obviously. And the the fathers, uh, males are called toms, we'll get into a bit of the terminology shortly, but the fathers will kill them deliberately as well. So there's certainly a certain amount of protection that they need against their parents. And we're not going to be faced with that issue this year, because as I say, we don't have the parents, we're just going to be buying the young poults. But when we talk in a bit more depth about breeding in another episode, we will be talking about protecting them from their parents as well. But even if you don't have that concern, they will starve themselves to death while standing in their food bowl, uh, the young turkeys. They are very easily frightened and they can also, once they get larger, they can disappear if you're not careful. So just the stupidity of turkeys can really be a downside but I think that part of the yin and yang that slips in here quite nicely is with that downside I think you also get a lovely connection with your birds when you do train them to eat and encourage them and nurture them into full health and adult life I think you're probably going to have a very rewarding experience with the bird so that's a downside that I think has an upside they're also a bit more susceptible to disease than chickens are. And we'll definitely be talking about that in a little bit because there's some disease that can be spread very, very easily from chickens to turkeys. And as I say, they are very, very susceptible to them. So you're definitely going to want to put measures in place if you have hens to mitigate against those risks. So a bit of terminology. Uh, the beard is the coarse hair-like feathers that come out of the turkey's breast and the little bumps on the head of a turkey are called caruncles. Now that's something I'd never heard before. It's what C-A-R-U-N-C-L-E-S. Now a male turkey, an adult male turkey, is called a tom, which is again something else I didn't know before doing this little bit of research. And the female is called, just like chickens, a hen. But they've got some other nice names the uh, immature versions the male immature version is called a jake and a jenny is the immature female turkey i think that's quite nice and uh, obviously as i mentioned baby turkeys are called pults which is spelled p-o-u-l-t-s which is a term that you've probably heard again around other fowl like chickens and stuff now the flesh that they have growing from their throat is also it's called the wattle so those are the little bits of terminology around the turkeys, although predominantly it's, the you know, referring to the males as toms is something that I probably will be doing from here on out. The rest might fall away. Before you do get any turkeys of your own, you're going to want to decide what your goal is. You know, is it going to be just as a pet to roam the yard? Is it going to be one that you're going to breed from? Or is it going to be one that is just going to be raised for food or some combination of the above? Now, 
as I said, in the next Turkey episode, we're going to be talking about breeds and we're going to get down into those details then. But I just wanted to say now, you know, before you actually go out and purchase, there is a, a breed issue and you are going to want to do a little bit of research and work out which breed meets your needs best. And really, I think it comes down to one very binary decision is are you going to be breeding from these birds or not because a lot of the turkey breeds available these days actually cannot breed naturally they just can't breed on their own so if you're only raising one for meat this might not be an issue for you but there are also some animal welfare ideas and thoughts that may also play into that decision It's really easy for you to get in touch with us. You can do it either by sending an email to selfsufficientcontact at gmail.com or by using the link in the show notes to send us a voice message. You can send us a voice message just using your phone. You could also reach out to us on Facebook where we have the Self Sufficient Hub group and the Self Sufficient Hub page. We're always thrilled to get your feedback, questions or suggestions for future topics on the show. So if you're getting poults, young turkeys, then the first thing you're going to want to do is just to prepare yourself, make sure that you're ready for when you're going to get them. You're going to want to practice a little bit of biosecurity and quarantine those birds away from any of your other birds because you never know what diseases, even if you've bought them from a reputable supplier, you never know what diseases may be around. So you're going to want to quarantine them for a couple of weeks to keep them away from your other birds and just make sure that everything's safe before you integrate them into anything, any sort of you know, interaction with anything else you may have. If you're getting them from a hatchery, I, this isn't really something that happens here in the UK, but in the US I know for sure that people have them delivered via mail and you just want to be prepared, especially if you're getting day old birds, that they might arrive either dead or weak, at least some of them, because the attrition rate is really high in young turkeys, as I said. So you're going to want to make sure that you're prepared to immediately get them somewhere warm and somewhere with all, where all of the fluid, fluids or sugar water or whatever it is they may need and their feed is immediately available. You don't want to wait for them to arrive to sort all that out. So you're going to want some kind of brooder. A brooder is basically just a, a box with some heat in for them. And you're going to need to be aware that a turkey is going to get quite big quite fast. So you need to think about maybe moving them up in sizes in brooders over a fairly short order of time. So a brooder can be anything you want it to be. It can be an old cardboard box. We quite often use large cardboard boxes or recycling boxes. It can be an old shipping crate or anything really where you can keep them safe and secure and give them access to a heat lamp or some kind of artificial heat so that they can keep them warm. You need to remember that at this stage, your young poults, they're going to be designed to be heated by their mum, basically. So you need to do that job for them. The temperature you're going to want to keep them at is around 95 degrees, but sometimes it can be a bit less. The, the temperature requirement is going to decrease as they get older, and it really is going to depend on your birds, you know. Just keep an eye on them. If they're all you know, spread out away from the heat and panting, then uh, you know they're going to be a bit hot, so maybe lift that light up and if they're all huddled up together underneath the light then you're going to want to lower it a little so that the heat is a bit higher for them. When it comes to 
bedding you can use anything really that's clean so wood chips or shavings you can even use paper towels or old sheets or bedding or anything like that but you do want to be careful that there's nothing that they can sort of pick at and pull away like loose threads that are coming off those things because they can swallow it or get it wrapped around their leg or neck that can lead to problems so there's you know lots of really easy alternatives but again it's just (laughs) protecting yourself against the stupidity of that turkey if you've got somewhere outside that you're going to be brooding them if it's a warm climate or perhaps you've got an external brooder box out there then just bear in mind that you might want to put some sand down or something on top of the soil and maybe lime that soil to try and kill any parasites or anything nasty that might be in that soil that's going to cause them an infection so you're just going to want to make sure in all cases with your turkeys that we keep them safe from disease Now, as I mentioned earlier, with your young poults, you're going to need to make sure they're eating. If you're starting to see deaths and frailty, then you're going to really want to, you know, make sure that they're eating. Don't just assume that they're eating. You need to actually see it happening, eating and drinking, because it's really quite possible that they will die from starvation, even though they're surrounded by food, because they just, some of them seem to be incapable of knowing how to eat without you showing them. So just make sure that you are on top of that. And obviously, just what what you're aiming for is really healthy, happy looking birds. And if that's not what you have, then make sure that they're eating or drinking. And if they are eating or drinking, and you're still seeing problems then of course we start looking for other causes and you know disease is one of them so we're going to do everything we can to protect them from disease and we are going to talk a little bit more about that in a little bit of depth because some of the turkey diseases are spread from chickens so that's something that we're going to need to ward away from particularly if we keep chickens ourselves which I imagine most of us do and most of us that are going to get turkeys certainly would already have hens. Now, once your turkeys are a little bit bigger and they're ready to go outside, then you've got quite a lot of housing options. So they can be kept anywhere, really, from a movable coop on a pasture like we do here with most of our hens or a fully free ranged with a coop that you shut them in at night. Or you probably don't need to shut them in once they're at a decent size if you've got a flock of them. The most important thing uh, to bear in mind, though, are the same as with your hens. And you just need to really think about just three things. Ventilation, protection from the elements and predators. And, you know, you have to make a judgment call based on your situation and where you are. You will know better what predator threats there are in your area and what sort of elements they will need protection from. As with all poultry, you know, turkeys are going to come with a risk of predator even though they are that bit larger once they get fully grown if you've got some of the larger breeds then you may find that they are fox proof we've had geese here in the past that have proved fox proof but i'm not really in a position to say that they definitely are or definitely aren't it's going to depend on your breed and the sort of pressure in your area so you know that is going to then determine what sort of fencing you need and everything else but Just like chickens, they're going to have a natural instinct to roost. So 
again, coming down to what sort of breed you've got is going to depend where they roost. Some of them are actually capable of roosting up in trees, which for me is something that's always a huge benefit. If I come across a chicken breed that is happy to roost in trees, then I'm much happier to buy that because I know that it's going to be able to keep himself safe from the fox overnight. But just make sure that they've got somewhere to roost and take all of the usual precautions and thought processes into place when you build your housing so that their roosting is appropriate for both them and you. You can find Self-Sufficient Hub content elsewhere online in lots of other places. We have a YouTube channel, we also have our website, and now there's our Facebook page and Facebook group. Links to all of these you can find in the show notes. Come check us out. So while we're talking about housing, I think now's a good time to sort of close the loop on those diseases that we were talking about and the importance of placing your housing appropriately with regards to proximity to chickens. Now, this is going to depend on your area again, and there are websites out there. I don't have a link for you, I'm afraid, but there are websites out there where you can actually check for the how prolific the certain disease called blackhead, which I'm going to talk to you about now, is in your area. But for those of you who already raise poultry, it's a protozoan disease and it is actually spread from chickens to turkeys or can be. And it's one that can be brought in on the boots of your shoes. So if you're using sort of biosecurity measures like you probably are now anyway in the UK with the avian influenza outbreak and you've got disinfectant foot baths outside of your hen houses, then, you know, that's probably going to solve this issue. But you're definitely not going to want to house them somewhere your chickens have been just a few weeks earlier. And Chickens are basically, they're at least partially resistant to blackhead, so they can have it undetected. They can be carriers of this disease and then it can be transmitted in their droppings. So it's always recommended that turkeys are going to be raised separately from chickens and other other poultry. Um, they can be raised on the same property, of course, but you just want to make sure that the equipment and housing are separated and that you don't track the disease in on the soles of your feet. Now, along with blackhead, you're also going to want to be vigilant for all of the general poultry diseases that you would be vigilant for in the rest of your hens, in your chicken flock and what have you. When it comes to raising turkeys for Christmas, then it's going to be largely dependent on the breed as to how long it's going to take. So lots of traditional breeds are slower to mature than the commercial breeds. And generally speaking, they're going to be hatched around May or June and the more commercial breeds might be hatched in July and of course this just translates to how long they take to grow to maturity and we were going to be buying ours certainly early or even earlier than that just to give us lots of time we don't want to put our chickens under any sort of pressure we're not going to be intensively raising them we're going to let them get on with it themselves as much as we can we're going to go for a breed that forages a little bit more we don't know what breed yet again we'll be talking a bit more about that in another episode 
But when it comes to feeding, one thing that you should be aware of is that from birth, turkeys require more protein in their diet than your other birds, like your chickens. So you can buy, you know, turkey formula. So if you're going to buy chick crumbs, then you're going to want to buy a specialist chick crumb for turkeys. And the same is going to apply to your growers pellets and layers pellets or finishers pellets. They're all able to be supplemented with wheat or corn or whatever it is you want from around 16 to 18 weeks old. Obviously a regular supply of fresh water, just the same as all of your animals. And, you know, perhaps even more important for turkeys because it's going to allow them to have a fresh, clean source of water rather than possibly picking up diseases from muddy puddles and what have you. You're going to need to make sure that they've got access to grit, just like with chickens, so that they can digest their food. And, you know, just like anything else, if they've got the ability to forage in a nice big space, then so much the better. They're going to be able to find their own natural food as well. And I've always found, and as I've said before, I've not raised turkeys before, but from experience of raising any animal, I think the more natural forage they can find, the better. They tend to know what they want and what they need. If you're keeping them as pets, then, you know, you can give them all the same sort of treats as you would your chickens. Maybe a little bit of fruit or nuts or some sweet corn. But if you're keeping them as purely meat birds, then just be aware that if you alter their diet in this way, then, you, you know, you're going to affect their growth rates. But these are things to tinker around the edges with to suit your needs. The other thing to say is that they can also make fantastic pets. Now, while I've never raised turkeys from young before, we have kept turkeys, my wife and I, insofar as we used to live on a field centre for children. Children would come and visit and my wife worked there and she was a resident worker and part of her remit. And it was really my first experience with a lot of animals is we used to be tasked with basically taking care of all the animals. And we had, I don't know how many, maybe 60 or 70 birds of all different types, ducks, geese, chickens and turkeys. And there were a couple of turkeys there that were incredibly fun and were the stars of the show, really, when the children were there. As I say, it was my first experience with a lot of livestock. We had some highland cattle, some sheep, some pigs and all sorts there. It was fantastic. But turkeys can make a really nice addition to your sort of menagerie in your garden. They do look startlingly different from everything else. And I honestly can't wait till we get ours next year. And... I will be following up, I'm not sure if it'll be Friday or if it'll be sometime next week, with some more talk on turkeys, talking about what breeds you might want to choose, talking about all the different ways in which you can breed them up to maturity, different styles of raising them, but also we'll be talking about butchering and all the different things that you need to know really uh, to be prepared for butchering your own birds uh, that might all be in one episode it might be in a couple I'm not sure we'll have to wait and see how much sort of information it turns out that I want to get in there but that's going to wrap us up for today and I will speak to you guys very very soon if you find this podcast valuable there's several ways you can support it the easiest of which is to rate and review it wherever you get your podcasts. You could also talk about it or share it wherever you post online, including your social media pages. And now you can support the podcast directly by becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash 
self-sufficient hub. However you support the podcast, we really appreciate it. Thank you for listening. See you soon.